your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on International Business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Hello, welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast, where this week we have Tayo Roxon. We're on episode number 51. Okay, what does Tayo Roxon do? He's the CEO of UYD Media and host of the As Told by Nomads podcast. It's a short introduction, but it's a nice, long, and um, nicely flowing, uh, relaxed conversation. So do have a listen, and make sure you listen all the way to the end, where he gives his tips, his three tips to become more culturally competent. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning, Tayo, or Tayo, or how do do I pronounce your name? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's Tayo. People Tayo. always get confused, though. They, they, a lot of people say Tayo, and and I just get used to it. But it is Tayo, and it is your full name. Yeah, my well, my full name. Well. Now that's another story. My full name is Akintayo. Uh, so that's the first full name, and then middle name is Abiola. Last name is Roxin. But uh, Tayo is short for Akintayo. See there, it was a, it was a good question to start off with. I think. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for explaining that one at least. Well, uh, before we uh, we get more into the depth of why you're on the show and you know um, what you do at your end uh, uh, of the woods, as they say, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you come from? Um, where are you now? And what is your cultural frame of reference? And I know that's kind of interesting. <laughs> well, so my name's Ty Roxon, uh, as, as we just uh, eloquently described earlier. <laughs> Elaborated on, and, yes. <laughs> and um, I'm basically a walking contradiction, you know. So I don't look like I'm supposed to sound. I don't sound like I'm supposed to look. Uh, you know, I, I'm Nigerian, yet I speak with a very Americanized accent with a hint of British sometimes. Um, and the reason is because, I, you know, I grew up as a son of a diplomat. You know, my dad is Nigerian. We all are Nigerian. But because my dad is a diplomat, that meant that we grew up everywhere. You know, I grew up in four continents, five countries. And, um, you know, what that did to me made me constantly curious about the world. So, you know, when it it comes to my cultural reference, you know, as a teenager, I didn't, a lot of times I didn't feel like I had an identity. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt lost initially, uh, not in a bad way, but just I was just curiously wondering like where I fit in. Sure. So I was constantly in between cultures and I wanted to find my place in the world. But, um, you know, then my culture reference became, you know, this term that you, you, you started to hear more often, a TCK, a mm-hmm. third culture kit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's essentially uh, something to describe people that spent the formative uh, periods of their lives outside of the parents' cultures. Mm-hmm. So you've got uh, their culture, you've got the parents' culture, and you've got the mix of all the cultures that they uh, that the person experienced. So whether it's diplomatic kids, missionary kids, and stuff like that. So you know, I identify as a you know a third culture kid, a global citizen, a global um, a global nomad. And uh, that tends to make uh, my framework uh, or define who I am more, more or less, just because I identify with so many things. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll dig into that as well. We, you, you said you lived in four con- co- continents and five countries, right? Yes. Which countries did you live? Well, out of curiosity, I mean, just to, get, <laughs> to sort of paint the picture. Oh no! Absolutely, I, I completely get it. So Nigeria, Sweden, Vietnam, 
the U.S., uh, which I am currently in, New York City, okay. um, and Burkina Faso. So I believe uh, those are the countries, yeah. All right, making some notes here. And that's Ouagadougou, right? That's the, the capital. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Yeah, I went to school in Ouagadougou, International School of Ouagadougou. I always thought that was a cool name. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to a name that that is, is very interesting to pronounce, but that's where I lived. Well, okay, Ouagadougou. well, I think you pronounce it Ouagadougou. Or Ouagadougou, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, so, um, Nigeria, you're originally born, or at least half Nigerian. Can I ask you what your other yes. half is? Oh, no, I'm full Nigerian. Uh, oh, that, oh, that's, sorry, okay. That, no, no, no. But that's why I started off saying I'm a walking contradiction because I don't look like it's everybody. Never, no one ever thinks I'm Nigerian. But uh, I only have one passport. But um, just because of everywhere, you know, I went to several types of schools. You know, I went to like an American international school. I went to school the British system. I went to school the Nigerian system. So I've had so many influences in in, uh, in my upbringing. Uh, but uh, yeah, the only passport I have to this point is a. Is, uh, it's Nigerian, unless something changes in the future. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> unless you get married or something like that. Yeah, if I get married, I get recognized. Maybe England decides to give me a sainthood, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, give me a sir, or like oh, sir, tie rocks. But um, that, that nah. would sound that would fit you, I guess. I mean, I I know what you look like, so I've I've checked out the pictures, and then you're, you'd even be more of a contradiction there, I think. Yeah, yeah. And no, then, exactly. So it's Nigeria, Sweden, um, uh, Burkina Faso, Vietnam. Vietnam and the United States, where you currently are in New York City. Yeah. What languages right. other than English do you speak? Je parle français. Oui, c'est vrai. Oui, c'est vrai, c'est je parle français. Mais pas comme toi, parce qu'il n'y a pas beaucoup d'opportunités de pratiquer ici. That's interesting, because, I mean, Nigeria being a former um, British colony, most Nigerians would speak their own local local language, but and also English. But if you would yeah. go to Ivory Coast, to Côte d'Ivoire, then you would, they would speak French, because they were former French colony. So how come you, you speak French then? Because you haven't lived in this French-speaking country. Well, it, it started, it actually did. It was Burkina Faso. It started from... Uh, there, you know, I, I was uh, 10, I believe, when I moved there. And then, um, you know, it was a French-speaking country, but I was in American international school. And I became fascinated. You know, everybody there could speak. Most of the people could speak English and French. And I was like, I didn't want to be left alone. So yeah. so I, I did it for the four and a half years I was there. And then I picked it up in college. Um, and now I still try to practice. But, uh, it, you know, it comes and goes. It's very rusty at this point. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> if you don't use it, you lose it, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. Any so. Vietnamese? Any Swedish? I wish, I wish, I wish. Um, but, uh, you know, I was too young when I was in Sweden. And in Vietnam, I was, you know, I was going there back and forth because it, it was my uh, undergrad years, my uh, university years. So, uh-huh. you know, I wasn't too immersed in the culture. I, you know, I, I was aware of what it was like that we would go out. But, um, you know, I wasn't spending eight months out of the year because I was in school at the time. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was just a baby in Sweden. Well, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So you, your your thing is TCKs, right? Yes, yes. Okay, that so that is that is my thing for sure. Yes. Okay, third culture kids, and mm-hmm. just describe that again for us because you sort of brushed over it. So what what would make you a third culture kid, or what would make someone a, a third culture? What are the criteria, so to speak? So to be a third culture kid, there's several things. I mean, one of the main things is that you identify with several cultures. But the reason tends to be, you know, that you come from a family where your parents move around a lot. Uh, So it could be like, 
you know, in my case, my dad's a diplomat, so we always traveled basically in four-year or five-year intervals, uh, depending on whatever was going on. It could be someone that was a missionary kid or anything like that. And um, the, the whole idea is that, uh, you know, you've got multiple cultures residing in you. So the the three cultures, so to speak, would be your parents' culture, you know, my mind Nigerian, and then your culture as you're starting to form your own thing and the mix of everywhere you've been. So that would be, you know, I have an influence of Burkina Faso, I have an influence of Sweden, an influence of uh, Vietnam or, you know, Nigeria. And they come out once in a while. But, uh, you know, typically as a third culture kid, when they ask you where you're from, it's one of those difficult things because you've lived in so many places that you can't really identify where home is sometimes because it's such a fluid concept. Um, so when you say you're TCK, it just, you know, it basically means you're a citizen of the world. There are many things that happen. You're able to adapt. Um, and, uh, you know, it just honestly depends on the situation. You know, you could say, well, yeah, you know, that's why I can do that. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's the, TCK. That's a TCK. Okay, got, got that. Now, I would not be a TCK because I reckon, I don't know, I'm just, so I'm, I'm testing the waters here. I am uh, Dutch born <laughs> and raised. And my Both my parents are Dutch. I was born yes. in Amsterdam. I currently live in Belgium, which is another country. Tiny country. Mm-hmm. They're adjacent, but they are culturally different. And um, in my younger years, I would say, I would think my formative years, I was um, 12-ish, 13. I lived a year in the States. Does that, mm. that, that, does that make me a TCK? Yeah, I mean, it, it's very fluid. There are people that are coming up with terms saying ATCK, like adult, uh, adult, you know, TCK. Okay. You know, it just comes like, it, it, the way I've started to find it, and I, I you know, I, I don't think there's a set definition, but when I, well, with my podcast, it's told by nomads, I've had many people come up to me or send me emails saying, you know, I might not be a TCK, but identify with those, with those ideals. Right. And that's people like, they could be come from, they could come from mixed families, you know, it could be black or white or, you know, European or something. Yeah. Or they could, be like someone that just found themselves in their 20s traveling the world and not finding where they are. So I've just taken a loose definition to that term. And I just say, you know, if you identify with several cultures, you're someone that I, right. <laughs> that I can relate to. Because yeah. many people, then that's the problem with labels sometimes. It starts to get into this complicated thing where everybody's like, oh, well, that doesn't make you this. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I feel like that almost causes some division sometimes. I'm like, well... We're just trying to just define something. We're not trying to make it look like you're part of a clique. So yeah, exactly. I was, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you you, you could qualify. I, th- I feel honestly feel like a lot of Europeans are. It, they don't really know they are, but they, you know, because in Europe, you just go to many, you know, it's easy to go to, you know, the Netherlands, you know, uh, Belgium, or, sure. you know, you go take a trip to France, take a bus to go to Italy and all that. Uh, somewhere like United States or, or uh, you know, Nigeria, where I'm from, it, it's, it's a little difficult uh, in terms of ease of transport uh, to go to several countries. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, th- I feel like going to another state in the United States is almost adjacent to going through uh, another country in, in, the, in Europe sometimes because it's, it's such a vast uh, uh, landmass yeah, here. Yeah, of course. In, yeah, it's, in, it's enormous. It's, it's, it's massive. Yeah. It's, I'm going to be a little bit of devil's advocate here. And yeah. um, and the reason I'm doing this is... is f- one to the other. Okay, I'll, I'll give you the reasons here. My daughter, I think she would really qualify as a TCK, a third culture kid. She right. is 11 years old right now. She's born mm-hmm. out of a Dutch father, that's me, and an Indian mm-hmm. mother. And she was oh. born originally in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. 
And when she was three, we moved to Belgium. And now she's going to a Dutch-speaking school, because Belgium is split up between Dutch and, and French-speaking. But she's um, going to a Dutch-speaking school. So she's half Indian, she's half Dutch, and she's living in Belgium. I think that would sort of fully qualify as your, your oh. fit, right? Absolutely. Okay. Now, so that's that's one reason. So that's I'm uh, I've got the living proof, you know, running in and out of the house every every time I see her. Um, <laughs> and then there's this other guy that showed up in my life years ago, and I, I I see a lot of people in my workshops, and he asks, asks actually asked you know what am I sort of a sort of a mix like yourself. He was from Dutch parents. Uh, he was a so so called Shell kid from the the oil co- oil company Shell. Yes. And he had moved around and moved around. So I asked him, you know, if what kind of schools did you... No, first, your parents are Dutch. Okay, yes, both parents are Dutch. What, what language do you speak at home? Well, the Dutch language. What schools do you go to? He was following like an international curriculum, either way. Right. Um, in all the countries that he lived in. And then I asked him, you know, if, if you would go back to the Netherlands, would you still understand how to play the game? And I'm, I'm using air quotes when I say play the game. For me, that's a criteria that you, that that is your most native native culture, and so do you, do you know? Do you understand what I'm saying? No, I understand. Look, and what you just described is essentially a TCK. I mean, oil kids. Yeah, that's why you call them sometimes. Um, yes, exactly. That, that's what it is. It's it's. You know, I came across the term. I was reading a BuzzFeed article. It was I think it was like thirty-three signs you're uh, a third culture kid, and I became intrigued by it. This was like two years ago. And I was like, "What is a third culture kid?" And you know, going through the whole thing, you know, it was basically saying you think, and it was a humorous way of, of uh, relating to the, the the mindset that we have. You think in several time zones. You hate the word "where is home." The yeah. question "where is home." You have several passports. You you know you, you yeah, wake I have, up randomly. I've read that actually. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I was just thinking, whoa, this is me. Okay. <laughs> and then I st- and I started like investigating it more and looking into it, and I saw that like a few people that had started, you know, coined the phrase, and the people like they were trying to, you know, basically talk about some of the the things that they go through, whether it's grief, whether it's loss, whether it's identity crisis, and then I, you know, I, I sort of um wanted to take a positive spin out of that and say, well. I think there's a way you can use that and embrace your global identity, but you can also use that to be bridges for other culture and you can be that diplomat, be that teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, that's really how I started doing this stuff. I, then the podcast came about and I was like, embrace your global identity and use it to your advantage. You know, that was, I was the tagline of the podcast and I was bringing people from different parts of the world and people that identified several cultures. And I said, you know, I really want you to talk about how your background helped you, uh, you know, to do your business or to do your 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 family uh, to to have a better family, to have a better life, or something like that. Because I, w- I wanted to show that there there are positive aspects of that. Because you know, it, like with everything, there's good and bad. But uh, you know, I thought there was a real danger in, in just leaving it and just like, uh, well, this is grief that happens here. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to spin it the other way around. Is there, is there any possibility that you can become like an unbecome a TCK? Like take take yourself as a pointing case here. You're mm-hmm. you say your English is is mostly American with a touch occasionally of, of British there, um, mm-hmm. but I would say it's, it's predominantly American as you say yourself. And yeah. the United States as being this melting pot of cultures, and the, I think the culture in the world that assimilates different cultures the fastest. Um, Hmm. Would you, could you become not you but you in, in, in plural could you become or rather unbecome a TCK as well 
It's a, this is a very interesting question. So unbecome a TCK. Well, you're, you're born in Nigeria. And if you live yeah. long enough in the United States, then you would actually say, well, I don't, there's Nigerian. Yes, but that's that's a past memory. I mean, I, I remember that. I, were, I I played there as a child. You know, I went to school there or whatever you did. Yeah. And I said, now yeah. I live here in the United States. And it's so much more me than it was there than in Nigeria, as in your example. No, so I've seen a lot of examples of that. I mean, with me, I go I go back to Nigeria often. Um, but um, yeah, there's certain I've actually have family members who have moved whether it's to England or to America, and they haven't been back in a while. And you 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 go to them, and you you it's like what you said. It's it's essentially they've become American. Um, and some of them, you know, you've got the green card, and you've got the you on the way to citizenship. So yeah, I mean, it's very possible if you stay in another country that you know you you fully take on the identity of that country um and become that and you know then that becomes what you know it's very possible for sure yeah okay just curious i mean it's, it's I, I remember this not sure if it's still on maybe on reruns on british tv um where there are indians coming from india they start living in the united states or in the uk rather in england in london and they become more british than than the average brit you know they become so british so, yeah so over the top british um but that didn't happen to you no it didn't i, I mean i was always I mean, I, I, when I walk out every day, I, I'm very cognizant of the fact that um, that I, you know, I'm perceived as African American, and you know, and that's something that I, you know, I, I'm aware of. I accept it. It's fine. Mm. It is what it is. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I try consciously to to make sure I don't lose parts of like Nigeria. Because, for example, I, I, you know, I would like keep up with the news, catch up with the with the culture back home, talk to my Nigerian friends that I went to boarding school with, and just make sure I, I have some element at that. And you know. And yes, I can sound one way, but my mindset, for example, and my worldview is completely different uh, than, than a the average American. American. Yeah, than a typical American, because I, you know, I, I think in in different ways. You know, I I ask different questions. I'm concerned about different things, uh, and you know, and those things are very important to me. So, you know, I mean, it, it's. <laughs> it's also like my dad you know my dad is you know is a diplomat so it's kind of you grow up in that household where you you kind of know have to know what it is to be a Nigerian and how to defend Nigeria mm -hmm. to the world yeah. so you know the, that that part has always stayed with me so with me particular I've always made myself conscious of the fact that uh, I want to keep an identity of uh, being Nigerian mm -hmm. at least and you know with practicing French that's that's where the Burkina Faso comes in okay. you know there's no reason I should know French <laughs> but no, um, exactly uh, but I always I make sure that I, uh, I I try and practice that because I feel like it also gives me access to other cultures that I might not be able to do it broken French or not it gives yeah, me exactly. some yeah. yeah it lowers the threshold of the barriers at least exactly so yeah I mean with me I haven't done that but like like I said earlier it's very possible for you to do that but I just I tend to think worldly so hmm. okay <laughs> you're a secular secular yeah. person okay so, so 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 try this for me it's this is something i've been i've been struggling with and a lot of non-americans are struggling with and we're not going to beat on the americans at all that's not the, not the, not the <laughs> by it's far. Okay. no i need to i need to defend 50 percent of the listeners here because 50 percent of the audience comes from north north america say u.s canada and the rest is uh is spread out of the, the, the rest of the world so this thing called political correctness American yes. political correctness. You just described yourself as being, uh, you would be, you're being perceived as Afro-American. So that's that's being politically correct. How mm -hmm. do you stand? What do you feel about this political correctness? The thing is, I have never found any American as an individual 
who says, well, we should be politically correct. Every American I've met, and I've met quite a number, dislikes it, but they all adhere to it. What, what, oh, what's, I, what's the trick here? I hate it. I completely <laughs> hate it. Are you kidding me? I, it's like the problem. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you look at uh, the political elections that are going on right now, yeah. and you, you already know, you know the script. You know, you can't say certain things, unless you're Trump, I guess, but exactly. the, you can't say certain, <laughs> certain things because you're, you know, your campaign manager is going to freak out that you said and you alienated a bunch of people. And in my opinion, I think it's a big problem because I don't think it actually allows people to get to the meat of the problem. And uh, I think part of I think the real problem in in America and the rest of the world right now is the fact that, uh, you know, we keep saying we live in a post-racial society, but there are many, many cross-cultural issues that goes on. Yes. You know, for example, we're talking about Trump, for example, you know, you're living in a, in a place where in 2050, you know, Latinos are going to be the most, uh, the majority of, of Americans, yet, you know, they're still treated like minorities, and there's still many issues that need to be worked out. There are still issues with black and white people, there's still issues with all that, but I don't, I don't think that that would ever ever be solved if we have this political correctness culture because then you're not going to be able to understand each other from the other side so in my opinion i hate it and that's part of why i do what i do is you know i seek to have those open communications and have those unfiltered communications where you hear things from the other side and you hear things from both sides i, I don't think um open dialogue is emphasized enough uh but you know there's structures in place for media companies so mm -hmm. you know you have to make sure you do that but yeah there are a lot of americans that hate it but then that's just what you have to do otherwise you, have to, you can't keep your job unless you're donald <laughs> trump of course yeah you're a billionaire <laughs> okay let's not get into donald trump it's uh sorry it's let's not move get this either in race or religion or politics so this, this let's be politically correct here i guess oh you want to be politically no, correct? not at all but <laughs> okay no, okay we'll do that we'll do that <laughs> not not really no i'm okay with that it's it's you know i have my personal opinion on certain issues and i have my if you want my professional opinion, when I'm more in public, quote-unquote, and I think this podcast is more public than my own personal opinion. Um, so that, you know, it's 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 easy to hurt people without even having the intention to hurt people. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm trying to be more, I say, uh, careful to some extent and not, not per se being politically correct because I can't be because I'm not American. I don't, I don't have that sensitivity towards that. So I, I, I could call somebody Afro-American just because I know that's how you should address. For me, somebody is black and somebody is white or yellow or purple. I don't care. You know, it's, it's, for me, it's the same difference. It's, um, mm. That's my personal opinion. So a little bit of my personal opinion. Um, so you just described something interesting that, that uh, triggered another question. You said being the son of a diplomat, you had to occasionally or had to learn how to de defend Nigeria. Right, mm -hmm. you mentioned that. What is what is currently, or maybe the biggest stereotype that that you're facing, that that you come across, that people have towards your native country, Nigeria? Well, you've got uh, you know, because you know the the prince emails that people get all the time. You know, mm -hmm. the Nigerian prince that needs a certain amount of money that you, you should wire to your account. So yes, the, the, you the millions know, of some, dollars, millions of dollars. Yeah. So you know, you occasionally, you know, I run to that occasionally. Obviously, you know, you've got unfortunate. Uh, Boko Haram, which is just senseless violence uh, okay. by extremists, uh -huh. but um, yeah, no, it typically centers around uh, you know those uh, scam artists and um, um, some extremism. But 
I, when I say defend Nigeria, you know, it's you know, you can basically say, well, that's not all. This is this is what's happening in Nigeria. This is why it's the number one GDP. This is what's happening. Actually, this happened so and so. So you can speak in both sides. Yeah. And my dad's job. That's what he does when you. You know, you're a diplomat. You're you're fostering those relationships, and you're trying to get people to come there or improve investments. Mm-hmm. So you know, occasionally, you know, I'd listen to him, or you sent me stuff. Uh, and he always he's always done that actually since I was a kid. Okay, nice. So you just become like ah, yeah. It becomes a part of you, and the more you travel, the more I never thought I was defending Nigeria, but the more you travel, the more you realize that people have a uh, a jaded mindset sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you know. And other times people might, might not even, it's not even jaded. It's just be like, oh, I didn't know that. And I, I see, I see it as an opportunity to educate, you know? Um, yeah. I remember when I first came to America, my undergrad years, when no one believed that I was Nigerian, but when I would tell them, they would, they would ask me if, um, I, uh, you know, if I had a car or if I went to a real gym or I lived in a hut or I was like the Lion King. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even kidding. This was a real question. So I, if I, they were asking me Lion King questions and I, I had to do a double take and I was like, no, no. And I couldn't actually get mad because initially I was, but then I was like, this is actually a chance for me to educate because yeah. this was serious questions that they're asking me. And I thought that it was a normal thing. So exactly. they were then not pulling your legs. Like, they were not. I thought no. they were because I was like, there's no way you're really asking me about me sleeping with lions. That's not even in my... What are you telling <laughs> but, me? You uh, haven't then. I tell you, you haven't slept with lions then. <laughs> they were... Exactly. They were like, no, come on. Of course you have. I was like, nah. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so... Um, yeah. In, in that way, you, you find stuff. But, it, you know, it's fun because you then you, you open someone's... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, worldview and, you, and they just you never know what that can do you know yeah, they're like true. wow they get more curious so that's a good point yes you mentioned your podcast a couple of times uh, the uh, it's i think it's called as told by nomads podcast what what do, you, what do you do what is that all about i uh i interview global leaders and businessmen uh and women about uh what it's like to live in a global world so we talk about culture travel and international business uh, and a lot of uh you know people that identify with several cultures they come on to talk about how their background helped sometimes we talk about the ways to live in a digital world and use your messages to connect across cultures um yeah no so i started about uh, almost two years ago so i'm mean, a year and a half ago so it's I think the 115th episode is coming out uh, tomorrow, but it's been, it's been, it's been quite interesting. As as you know, you know, you host a podcast. It, it's it's always interesting. I see it as a a way to learn. I always feel like I'm in school every week. You know, when I'm interviewing, and and the goal, you know, for, for me at least, is to hopefully inspire a generation of thinkers to to make a difference. Uh, my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. And I ask I ask a lot of the guests that question at the end. Uh, how they use a difference to make a difference because I hope to inspire the next set of global leaders by showing them how they can do that but I feel like the best way to do that is to truly know how to communicate across cultures and think outside the box is there, is so there a reason sorry sorry go ahead no I was just thinking is there a reason why why many people slash companies because I mean people make up a company brush over culture <laughs> so fast do you, what, what what's your take on that I just think they don't know um it's ignorance. I think they don't, yeah, ignorance. I think it's a lot of ignorance, um, and a lot of the education systems are not fostered to to promote that type of thinking. Um, I mean, there's certainly some people that don't want to know, but I think majority of it is just it's just ignorance. It's um, in the hiring practices or everything. I think 
in other cases there might be a system in place that's been so automatic for years that it's just uh, you just you have no other way of thinking otherwise yeah. <laughs> so you just go continue to go that way but that's that's just my opinion okay i was just just curious about that because i feel that a lot of companies a lot of companies come to me and say listen we've got this issue with with the well with the indians with the germans whatever culture it yeah. is and can you tell us a little bit more about that and so and then it's like so you you probably hurt your hurt your your foot or your toe or your head or your nose yes we done <laughs> it's not taking off as we wanted etc etc so it's think time and again wear your safety safety belts you know get educated that's what i keep thinking then Right. Um, I like your slogan. Use your difference to make a difference. How, how how do you express that? How do you what what does that entail for you? Well, you know, for someone like it, it came out of my background, so I was just, I kept thinking because yeah, I, I you know I, I write occasionally a lot. Sometimes um, it's not I've not written as much as I used to write, but I write blog posts and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And I was comparing. Um, uh, these singers, uh, Nico and Vince from Norway, okay. who were uh, who were both black, uh, and you know that's not what you think of when you think of Norway. You know, you think tall, blonde, yeah. blue eye, <laughs> and yeah. And I was like, I, I was thinking, I was listening to the song. It's called "Am I Wrong," mm-hmm. and they basically the lyrics of the song were talking about how they followed their dreams and they were thinking outside the box, and people were like questioning them so that then they were asking themselves, "Am I wrong for doing this?" Mm-hmm. And I was really inspired by the song. It was a hit that summer. And then I was just looking at them. I was like, you know, I would never have thought they were Norwegian. But, you know, their parents, one of them is from, I guess, it's, uh, Ivory Coast uh, parents and the other is from Ghana or family of that. And I just started dissecting the lyrics and, and using that to, to talk about how they are actually a vivid example of why, you know, you shouldn't judge by a book by its cover, essentially. You should just, you should dig deeper. So I, I was dissecting the lyrics to, and talking about that background simultaneously and how you shouldn't fall into that trap. And at the end of the, the blog post, I just said, you know, I think we all need to learn how to use our differences to make a difference. It just came out of nowhere. That's cool. I think, uh, I le- yeah, it's a nice slogan. Yeah. So yeah. How, how do you how do you, how do you do that yourself? How do you make how do you use how do you you how do you use your difference to make that difference? <laughs> I, I use my difference to make a difference by educating. Um, I, you know, I create platforms for people to to see the world the way it is, um, and and to to actually have that dialogue that's not being had. Uh, we talked about traditional media earlier. Mm-hmm. That was my frustration when I launched my you know UID media. I was thinking there is no media that I can truly relate to, and there's no one that's actually telling me the stories. So I just opened it up and said I just have a platform to. Um, to have people come tell the stories the way they're supposed to be. Because um, one of my biggest fears is someone, you know, turning on to news and, and being educated because uh, you have one view that's been, you know, inculcated into that system, whether it's a, a conservative view or it's a liberal view. I'm, I'm like, you know, let the person decide. So I really wanted to create that open platform. And my way of doing that is really to educate the masses and, and talk about, uh, especially my generation millennials, about ways we should follow our passions by embracing who we are because uh, it's, it's so much easier to be our best selves than to be the next someone else mm. so yeah okay well that sounds sounds inspiring like that when you say that uh, the other <laughs> thing that well it, it does i mean it is it's a nice slogan and if you can actually educate people like that you know have this this and this dialogue and this conversation 
Um, I think it's it's that's why I called my co- my company Culture Matters because I think it matters. In, in, it does in pretty much everything that we do. Um, you describe yourself as being the um, the untraditional visionary. What what is what is what is a traditional visionary, and how are you different then? <laughs> so I'm like, uh, I'm grilling you too much. I, that's not. That's not. Yeah, you did your research. That I'm very impressed. Okay. Um, untraditional in the sense that I, I, I it goes back to thinking outside the box. Um, so I, I don't like to look at do things because that's the way it's supposed to be done. Um, you know, yeah, I'm visionary. I think about like ways to change the world. My biggest role models are Oprah and the late Nelson Mandela. You know, the way they could make an impact uh, across the world from wherever they were with words they spoke or platforms they used. But I'm always questioning uh, norms. You know things that we've come to accept as society because I think sometimes it allows us to be complacent. So, you know, it just came out of that because I was always, you know, I was always that kid. I was in, but why, 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 why? I always wanted to know why. <laughs> and then um, that way, you know, it was just, you know, I just, you know, I just came up with that term on traditional because I was like, I, I don't think, I don't think uh, doing something that someone says that we should do really allows us to fully develop who we are. So, yeah, just one of those things. Uh <laughs> That, that you know it became one way that I could you know truly identify myself but you know it's several adjectives you play around with stuff and you put stuff together you're like oh that sounds nice <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, so you're currently in New York City um, so how's that been treating you I mean I'm looking at like it's half an hour now so we're I'm, I'm moving towards the end of the interview just curious how you are moving around in New York City being Nigerian and Swedish and Vietnamese and Burkina Faso and all these kind of things <laughs> well no, no, it's great. I want to. New York City was actually my first intentional move. So I, you know, I, typically you see New York City in movies, you fall in love, you're like, I want to go there. Uh, but uh, I, I, the reason I came here was, you know, I came to catch a game. I'm very into sports. It was a, a basketball game with one of my favorite players, LeBron, LeBron James, and my mentor was. Uh, you know, we were catching the game together, catching up, and I just fell in love with the city, the energy, and I felt like I needed to be here because there was it was an interesting cultural mix, but it was also very fast paced. It was you know the traffic, the noise, the loudness, the different languages to hear when you come out mm-hmm. seemed to remind me of Lagos, Nigeria, where I was from, mm-hmm. and I you know I was like I just need to be here, and because I feel like I can get inspired anywhere, and I, it feels almost like home in a strange way. So mm-hmm. for me, it's felt nice. Uh, it's 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 refreshing because um, I was living in a small college town prior to that uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia. But I've liked the pace. Uh, it's very fast pace. Mm-hmm. You never know what's going on as constant hustle and grit and grind. <laughs> and that tends to suit my my personality uh, a lot more. So, I, yeah, I, I've liked it. Uh, yes. You know, some people hate it. But I, for me, I love it. I love it. it. I love it. <laughs> uh, New York City for me is like a pair of jeans that always fit well. Yes, <laughs> that's you know it's just, you got your favorite pair of jeans, and no matter what you know you 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 put them on, and they always it's like yes, this is me. So can yeah. very much identify with that. I love that. I love how you describe that. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Excellent. Um, can you give us three tips to become more culturally competent? Yes. All right. Um, number one is be curious. Uh, tap into that curiosity. And just explore it. You don't know what's going to happen. Whether it takes you to the internet, to research or books, or even asking questions. Uh-huh. Um, two is travel. 
uh, I think people underestimate the power of travel. One of my favorite things is to actually get lost. Yes. <laughs> it's not just because I'm actually, I am, first of all, I am directionally challenged. I, I've always been since I was a kid. I don't know anything about directions. Yeah. GPS is my best friend. Yes. But it's interesting when you get lost because you get to see more of the city, but you also get, you're forced to interact with people. Uh, I remember that happening in Greece and, uh, and in Rome. And, and you know, I, I was speaking English and French in a Greek country, and we were we never understood each other, but we sort of understood each other still because it was a mixture of all these languages. But we, you know, we became sort of friends throughout that trip because we bonded across our need to connect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so cool. I think I think it's so travel, and because you get to see different parts and you you get to understand different things. Um, so be curious, travel. And um, yeah, the other thing is is uh, just be be open minded. I think um, I think there's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous thing that can happen if you decide to be so firm and resolute in in thinking that um, your country's way has to be the only way. And what I say with that is is when you have um, uh, an idea that you know my people are the best people in the world and there's no other way that any other person can have something better. I think it, it just shuts your mind in a way and, and it doesn't allow you to explore the potentials of what can happen from uh, collaboration. So those three. Cool. All right. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about what you, when you say them, be curious, um, explore, travel, get lost on purpose. I did that once in, in uh, Beijing in China. That was horrible. Ooh. There's no Ooh. language. There's no re- reading either. Um, Yay! <laughs> so that was that was oh. a challenge, and then be open minded because you say it's dangerous to think that your way is the only way. So yeah, that's really cool. Tayo, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? You can check me out at Twitter at <laughs> Tayo Roxon T A Y O R O C K S O N. I also answer emails uh, uh, Tayo Roxon at uydmag.com. U ydmagmag.com mm-hmm. and um, yeah check out the podcast as told by nomads you can check out the the website uidmedia.com i'm you know easily accessible just reach out to me wherever yeah and uh, say hi all these things will be in the show notes as well and they'll be on the culture matters website tayo i knew this was going to be a, a, a pleasant conversation easy going i hardly had any questions are written down as such because it just moved it flowed and i really like that um, ah. Thanks for being so enthusiastic, and uh, I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other in the future. Absolutely, I love I love your work. Um, thank you for reaching out. I checked out Culture Matters, and I've watched your talk, your TEDx talk, I think it was, um, and I you know I really enjoyed it. So keep 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 it up, and uh, hopefully we do get to meet. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks, Tayo, again. Like I said before, I really liked and enjoyed the interview. It was nice. It was relaxed. It was flowing. Um, <clears throat> I had a really good time. Thanks again. All right, this is the end of the Culture Matters podcast. I'll be back in uh, two weeks' time with another guest uh, of this uh, Culture Matters podcast. If you like what I do for Culture Matters, and um, you can do me a great favor, that could be one of your New Year's resolutions, possibly, maybe. Give me a review and a rating in iTunes or Stitcher, because uh, it'll boost the, um, the visibility of this podcast. Otherwise, if you'd like to read a little bit more about what I've done, go to the website culturematters.com. There's a lot to check out there. 
there are a lot of articles, a lot of podcasts as well, and two books for you to check out as well. Okay, that's it. Like I said, I'll talk to you in two weeks' time. Take care. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.